Hey everyone, Joe Bowen, the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs here, inviting you to join a very special podcast, 30 Minutes Live with CDP. It's every Wednesday and Friday night on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to uh, a fifth podcast in five days, a special edition of uh, Live with CDP podcast today. I'm excited to have my guest, Sean Bernard, uh, a Michigan Emmy award-winning uh, sportscaster, and he's now the media relations manager and the radio play-by-play voice of the OHL's Erie Otters. He's going to come on today and talk about his career in TV and radio and uh, join the OHL with the Erie Otters this year as well. And the uh, Otters came off a nice 7-4 win yesterday in Windsor against a very good Spitfire team. And then tonight they're taking on Flint. And then Sunday they travel to the Sioux. So uh, Sean was nice enough to give us a little bit of his time today uh, while in between Windsor and going to Flint uh, this afternoon as well. So if you guys can just give me one minute, I will bring on the voice of the Erie Otters, uh, Sean Bernard. Just one second there. Hey, Sean, how you doing, buddy? Chris, good. Thank you so much for making time for me today. Five podcasts in five days is no joke. You're going on a marathon right now. Thank you. No, I love it. I, I really love it. And uh, the last year, I've been able to get guests like yourself and and uh, Chuck Skorsky and, and John Murphy and Bob Soshi on. It's, it's just been incredible. And I'm very... Uh, appreciate of the opportunity because uh, I it took me 47 years, but I finally found what, what my passion is, and I'm hoping uh, doing this podcast and doing some volunteer work with Rogers TV as a camera operator for the Gulf Storms will hopefully lead me into a job in the in the radio industry one day. Oops. Well, absolutely. I think you're still well there, Sean. I'm... Yes. Can you uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, it's just sometimes Wi-Fi. Uh, signal, like I said, I uh, I have one of those pods, so we'll just cross our fingers that uh, things go smoothly. Hey, as you know, in TV and radio, things sometimes don't always go smoothly. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, I was going to ask you, Sean, before I start some questions. Um, two questions I want to ask you: Are you okay with forty forty five minutes? Yeah, time-wise? absolutely. Okay, I just wanted to make sure so you don't miss the bus <laughs> going to Flint. <laughs> and, and the second question is, when you do the road games, do you have a color analyst with you or do you do it solo? No, I, uh, I, I cut a lot of my teeth uh, in radio doing solo. And it's not that I don't like having a color analyst. It's just I think, especially now as I'm in still a big developmental part of my career, I want to be able to get better at managing both sides of the broadcast, being the analyst and the play-by-play broadcaster. So um, at certain, you know, sometimes in Flint, we'll have our uh, very own scout, Tim Wilson, on the air with me. Um, At home later this season, my broadcast assistant, Eric Konwinski, will join as well. But for the most part, I like the challenge of going solo just because it forces. Oops. Oops. Sorry about that, Sean. That was on me. Sorry. It's okay. I apologize. I, I hit something that I shouldn't have. That's all right. You were just mentioning about uh, how you how you're doing it solo right now for the most part. Yeah, I think again, um, just to surmise, I think for me, it forces me to become a better broadcaster because I can't just rely on saying what I'm seeing. 
but I also can't just rely on, you know, my own knowledge of the game. It forces me to be able to juggle those two things, which I think is an exciting challenge and allows me to become a better broadcaster. I was going to say, um, you must be excited to be in the Ontario hockey league as this is your first year. And, uh, on your first preseason game were you a little bit did you do any of the preseason games or is it just regular season games yeah first preseason game we had was september 4th i use that kind of as a day just to get my feet wet with operations of our arena um see what a game day looked like for the erie otters although as as you know for sure um a preseason game day and a regular season game day are two different animals so um, first game was actually a come-from-behind win for the Otters uh, against Saginaw in the preseason. Um, got the pleasure of being able to watch that game and film a little bit of, a little bit of that game similar to what you were doing. Um, but past that, was able to call uh, our other home games. Uh, had my broadcast assistant, Eric Konwinski, call the neutral site preseason game between Flint and Saginaw. And uh, didn't end up making the trip over to back to Flint, back at the rink where I actually learned how to skate at Flint Iceland arenas uh, just because I've been to that rink more than my fair share of times. And I know that these things don't work in there, let alone Wi-Fi or ethernet. I was going to say, and it's so nice that um, the Canadian teams now can go across the U S border and you guys can get into Canada. Did you guys have any issues coming across for this trip or was it pretty smooth? Well, I'll, I'll say it like this. Every trip's kind of been interesting. Our first trip to Niagara, um, it was pretty, pretty scot-free. We had one random COVID test um, for our athletic trainer. That was no big deal. We were going to be um, Niagara, Windsor, Sarnia. So we were going to be here for the full weekend. So gave him time to be able to do it, have it picked up by your courier and make sure that we were all good. So that was fine. You know, that was inconvenient for him, but for the rest of us, it was, oh, okay, no big deal. Um, when we came across to play Guelph, actually, we had uh, 32 guys on our bus and 13 of us, including myself, we're given a random COVID test. So 13 of 32 people, wow. one team on one bus, were given a random COVID test. Um, luckily, we were able to get that one filed as an exemption because we were crossing into Guelph or into um, Ontario at three o'clock and leaving Ontario basically at 10, 30, 11. So um, for us, we weren't even going to be able to be able to take the test and have it picked up by a courier before we were already back in Erie. So um, Canadian government gave us an exemption for that one, which was good. And uh, crossing into Windsor, um, everything was fine crossing the border, but that was the first time we had crossed not over the Peace Bridge, but over the Ambassador Bridge. Um, and so when that happened, we were just stuck waiting at the terminal for about 55 minutes, as they had told our bus driver, just pull up and someone will come out. Um, and that's fine. You know, we're, we're patient. We're good with waiting. But then someone came out of Border Patrol and said, oh, we need someone from the bus and we need the coach to come out and, you know, kind of inform us of who's on here. And we were sitting there like we could have done this 40, 50 minutes ago. We were ready. But um, those are all just small, minor complaints. Like you said, like just being across the border, it's great. Yep. Um, it's, it's great to be back in Ontario, back in Canada, not just for myself. Um, I love being in Canada. I love this country, but, uh, for our guys, so many of our guys are of course from Ontario and, uh, for a guy like Spencer Sova, he's from Windsor. So playing in, in the WFCU center last night's homecoming for him. But I know for a lot of our guys, this is the chance for their family to actually come see them play because initially 
you know, border was a lot tighter. You couldn't have people from Ontario cross over to come to Erie. So it's nice for our guys. It's nice for our coaching staff. Um, I know our, our coaches are both from, you know, Metro Toronto. So for them, you know, these games aren't too far from home where they can, you know, still have the chance to have their families come out. I know in the game against Guelph, uh, head coach BJ Adams' dad was actually able to be there for his first game as head coach, which I think is really special. So um, all small, minor complaints, you know, just a good anecdote of crossing the border. But otherwise, it's been really good. Um, you know, the Border Patrol on both sides have treated us very fairly. They've made the process quick and simple for us. And more than anything, we're just happy to be back here in Canada. I was going to say, I haven't been to the States since February 5th, 2020. And um, now the, the Canadian government apparently is talking about uh, for trips less than three days in the States, you won't have to get one of those PCR tests or whatever they call wow. them that, that are pretty expensive. So it'll be nice. I'm hoping to be across the border either in December or January. And I would like to go back to Erie because I like visiting Erie. Maybe not so much in the wintertime with the snow and all that, but I like Erie. It's a nice city, uh, Grove City, and I like being in Pennsylvania. It's a nice area. Yeah, I've I've only been a native of Pennsylvania, I guess, since late June, but uh, people there are super friendly. There's a lot to do in northwest Pennsylvania. I like the fact that we're kind of in that tri-state region where it's closer for my girlfriend and I to go to um, you know, the lakes side of New York over to like Finley Lake than it is to go, you know, in parts of downtown Erie, which blows my mind because we live in Erie and it's closer to go to parts of New York than it is to parts of the city we live in. Um, so I think that's interesting. But um, the fan base in, Pen- in, in Erie is phenomenal. Um, our arena's first class. Um, I, I've just, I've so loved living in Erie. I've so loved being part of this organization and um, really just getting to know the city of Erie. It's been, let me think, three years since I've actually seen snow that sticks to the ground. Uh, my girlfriend sent me a photo last night from our backyard with a little bit of snow sticking. So um, I'm going to have to try and reacclimate to my winter skin, but I think I can get there. I was going to say, and uh, yeah, and it's not, Erie's like in a great location. It's two hours, it's an hour and a half to Buffalo. Uh, another two hours to Pittsburgh, an hour and a half to Cleveland. So it's it's really in a it's really in a great spot sport uh, spot if you're a sports fan or you like going to different states and uh, uh, cities and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think Erie itself is great because we're kind of we're in the middle of it all. You know, we're halfway between Buffalo and Cleveland. Um, if you're going north to Cleveland or Buffalo from Pittsburgh, you got to go through or stop in Erie. So I like that because it kind of makes us the hub. If you want to go, you know, east, west or south, if you go north, you're, you know, you're crossing into lake territory. But um, I like that because, again, it makes it easy for us to go south to Pittsburgh or, you know, visit either the big cities in western New York or northeast Ohio, which is it's really great for us. And um, I know my girlfriend and I, we've we've caught crossed over to. Uh, Ohio quite a few times just because it's, you know, a stone's throw away. We've played golf over there. We visited the areas a little bit in uh, Ashtabula County and Lake County. So, um, you know, where we were living in, in North Carolina previously, we could go down on a day trip to South Carolina, but it was still about a four or five hour drive if you want to get to a major city in South Carolina where, you know, now, like you said, you know, Cleveland's close, Buffalo's close and Pittsburgh is close. And, you know, even just being in Erie. I was going to say, I don't know if you agree with this or not. Um, 
I know the OHL right now has three U.S. franchises, but I would I like to see a fourth OHL franchise in the States. And I, I think the Buffalo area uh, could support an OHL team. Well, I think I, I think it's a no-brainer personally, and I'm biased being an American, but um, and I and being an Erie too, I think it'd be good for us to kind of have a, a travel partner. I appreciate how close Niagara is. Um, being able to just show and go, uh, leaving on the bus at noon and getting there about three o'clock was great. But um, I've been talking to my my buddy about it too, and I think about like regions like you know Syracuse, Watertown, anywhere mm-hmm. in that Western New York, Northwest New York area. I mean, if you're talking about like Watertown or Syracuse, you're close to Kingston. Um, If you're talking Buffalo, I mean, the border war between them and Niagara would be amazing. Um, I think there's potential. I think there's opportunity. And, you know, just talking about Buffalo specifically, it's such a great hockey market there. And people love the hockey between, you know, the collegiate hockey with uh, schools like Canisius. Um, Obviously, the Buffalo Sabres, you know, their fans are loyal to a fault, even with how the Sabres have been the last Mm. couple of years. But um, I'd love to see expansion. I'd love to see the OHL kind of get to the point where the WHL is right now, where you have basically an American division and then you've got the, the Canadian division. Um, and I think that's really fun. My buddy works over in Everett of the WHL and, you know, he gets to go to really cool cities still in the States, but still seeing, you know, the best major junior hockey in the world, some of the best players in the world in cities like uh, Spokane, um, Kent, uh, Washington, um, obviously of course in Everett, Washington and, uh, the tri cities. And I think it'd be really cool to do that. I'm, I'm obviously a huge fan of Michigan having such a great presence in the Ontario hockey league being from Michigan. And for me personally, you know, growing up in Flint and the Flint area, seeing what a great hockey area it was and knowing the way that the communities embrace the firebirds has been terrific. And I knew that it would be one of those things where once they got a legitimate hockey league back and no, no disrespect whatsoever to the NAHL, but um, you know, the OHL is a different animal. Um, so it's been great to see the way that a community like Flint has rallied around the team. Saginaw has loved their team for 20 years. Erie for 25 years has been one yep. of the premier American markets. And uh, I'd love to see another expansion. I think if it's somewhere in Western New York, it makes the most sense for travel. But even if you're talking somewhere in, you know, I know the Northern Ohio area between the Cleveland Monsters and Toledo Walleye is kind of packed up right now. But uh, I'd love to see a way that we can get some more American teams here. I was going to say, and uh, some of the guys might not be happy for me saying this, but uh, I've been an OHL fan for 40 years. I'm, I'm 49. And the Toronto market, even when the Toronto Marlies left uh, Toronto after, uh, I think, 80 years they were there and they moved to Hamilton and then they ended up in Guelph, the Toronto market to me has uh, not been successful with the OHL, uh, with Brampton Battalion, moving to North Bay, and then uh, the Ice Dogs originally were in Mississauga and moved to Niagara. I just don't think the Toronto market will ever be an OHL market, and I really would like to see the Mississauga Steelheads uh, relocate to a a market where they'll get proper support. I think the problem is, and again, no disrespect whatsoever to any of those franchises, like you said, but I think the problem with kind of Toronto and Metro Toronto and, and that region is an embarrassment of riches. You know, they've got the NHL, they've got the AHL, um, they've got the Ontario Hockey League in mass. Um, so I think, you know, kind of a spread the wealth card is something that could be beneficial for sure to the OHL. And um, I think you're seeing it a lot. I've been shocked going to kind of some of the smaller communities in the Ontario Hockey League. And, you know, you're seeing these beautiful palaces uh, of, of hockey arenas and they're being 
filled to the brim. And these aren't big cities by any means, but they're just hockey crazed communities. And I don't think there's any reason that you can't have that same model work in different parts of Ontario or, or somewhere in the States along, you know, the Ontario belt. So, um, you know, I, I certainly continue to hope for the best for the organizations that we do have and the franchises that we do have, but I'd also like to see what diversity could look like. And I think, you know, you think about these small pocket communities, like, um, you know, we try not to mention it here in, in Erie, but a place like London, you know, where they're doing better most nights than, you know, a lot of ECHL and AHL teams for major junior hockey, you know, that says something about the caliber of fandom that exists in this league. And it says something about, you know, the way that people view the Ontario Hockey League. So I'd love to see what a little bit of diversity could look like across the league. Definitely. And I was going to say the Hunter brothers uh, 22 years ago bought that Knights franchise and they basically turned it around. They've turned it into one of the most successful uh, junior franchises in Canada. And, and, and they've had stability with Dale Hunter and Mark Hunter there. And they've just had such a good hockey program, even though they're, they're kind of considered the villains of the OHL. Uh, they've been good for the sport. And I got to be honest, I've they're broadcasters, uh, Mike Stubb and Jim Van Horn, I've had on my podcast and they're two of the best in the business and two of the nicest guys I've spoken to. Well, that's what I've heard too. And unfortunately I didn't get the chance to, uh, host them at the Erie Insurance Arena just because some of the you know travel policies with Ontario League team or Ontario League broadcasters and teams crossing the border themselves. But you know I'm excited to be able to get my first trip to Budweiser Gardens for an Otters win, mind you, and uh, be able to meet those two gentlemen. Yes, have you had a chance to meet Larry Malott yet, the Storm uh, radio broadcaster? He's been doing the Storm games for over 30 years, and then another 15, 20 years uh, with the other Gulf franchises. Oh, yes. We, uh, he, he spun quite a yarn uh, of stories. Just The way that he told so many stories in such a short amount of time, but was able to fill so much detail in them was, was phenomenal. And um, obviously, he's a, a, a gatekeeper, uh, in a sense, of the OHL and you know his experience in broadcasting this league. And I think that's what's really humbling for me, being a young broadcaster in the OHL, is thinking about guys like Larry, who have been in the OHL for so long and have seen so many of the greats, so many future Hockey Hall of Famers or current Hockey Hall of Famers, so many current and past NHL players who came through this league. Um, and I'm just in my first season. And, you know, they've been calling these games for generations of hockey players. I think that's that's very humbling to be able to see the journey and the progression that they've had. And the, the fact that I'm always, you know, entranced by guys like Larry and guys like RJ with the Buffalo Sabres who are Essentially, you know, they're the record holder of these organizations and these franchises. And, you know, when you think of the teams, you think about them. And when you think of big moments, you think of their big calls. And, you know, that's in my career, that's what I want to be. You know, if not now, someday in the future, I want when people think about, you know, a big call for the Otters or a big call for, you know, whatever organization I'm a part of. I want them to think of, oh, man, I remember Sean's call of that. And, you know, I've got a long way to go before I get there. But um, I think about guys like them and I'm inspired and motivated and it gets me hungry. And speaking of Windsor, I've already had Manny Pava on, a super nice guy. And uh, Monday I have Steve Bell coming on to talk about his uh, career uh, in radio. And also he's been the Spitfire's voice since 87 to 88, which is amazing as well. 
those guys couldn't be nicer too. When I first went to Windsor uh, 13 days ago, um, you know, they, they greeted me quickly. They, they seeked out to find me uh, yesterday when I was there, they both made, made it a, a point to come and talk to me um, to make sure that everything was good with my setup. Everything was good with position. So, um, and they're, they're two of the good guys too, because, you know, sometimes when you're a broadcaster, you'll check pronunciation guides or pronunciation sheets that are on um, different resources. And you'll just kind of, you know, take it for granted. You'll say, okay, it looks like it's pronounced like that. But, you know, these are two guys who genuinely took the time to come up to me, make sure they had the pronunciations right, because they get it. And the fact that when you're going on the air, it's not just your fans who are listening, but there's, you know, plenty of Otters fans my family included, who when they're watching, you know, the CHL TV stream, they're not hearing my voice. They're hearing um, the Your TV broadcast. They're hear hearing the Windsor radio broadcast. So, you know, it means a lot for our fans when they listen to their game and are able to actually hear our players' names called correctly. And it's small things, and it seems like it should be, you know, common sense and, you know, the bare minimum in broadcasting. But to take that extra step, especially for guys who have been there for so long and have been around this league for such a long time, it speaks a lot about integrity and character. And I think those are two guys who who ooze it, to say the least. Well, and, and I'm trying to get names right, too. So uh, I always try to make ask my guests to make sure I get their names right as well. And that's funny because last week, uh, the golf TV guys, uh, Steve uh, Fitzsimmons and his new analyst, I can't remember what his name is. I think it's Ryan. They were talking about uh, taking heat for Sasha uh, Pastrano oh, yeah. last name. They were they talked to, to the camera guys for about 10 minutes about making sure they get his uh, last name pr pronounced pr properly. Well, it's tough, too, when there is, um, you know, a little bit of a, a language barrier or, or if not a language barrier, um, sometimes uh, just a, a barrier of, of English. Um, so I know for us, like we've got a guy, Archim Kulikov, uh, and it, it looks like it's spelled like Art Yum. Um, but, you know, to, to figure it out, you know, it's 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 guessing and checking with the player, making sure that you have the intricacies of the language down too because that's the other part of it is you know some words and vowels and sounds don't just translate between you know russian to english or spanish to english or whatever it may be so um i know when i was calling uh sasha's game i i made sure initially in the pregame show and initially in any radio broadcast we had going into that game to make sure that i was just kind of saying sasha i didn't want to you know have any disrespect to the Pastajov family um, and I heard a pronunciation uh, from one source. Uh, I believe it was on the OHL's OneDrive that they have all the pronunciations audio-wise. And I heard it one way. And then I heard uh, the, the broadcaster or saw the broadcaster put on uh, social media the next day that it was Pastajov and not pa Pastujov. So I was like, okay, well, I'll know for next time for sure. But especially for a guy who's had so much success like him, um, you know, we'll all have to be learning how to pronounce his name soon enough. Yeah. And that game last Friday was great. Like everybody, I, I told everybody, Hey, Erie's got a new coach. The guys are going to be uh, wanting to play extra hard for him. And you guys were about a crossbar away uh, from tying that game and sending it to overtime. So uh, I think everybody knows the Otters are going to be a hardworking team and uh, they're going to be, they're going to be in every game. Yeah. And I think, you know, we talked about it a couple weeks ago that I'm a Lions fan, which is my own form of humility. Uh, moral victories can only get you so far, but I think it's what you do with those moral victories. And, you know, we didn't win a, a, a single game of the two last weekend on the score sheet uh, or in the standings. You know, the 4-3 loss to Guelph, 
7-4 loss to London. But there's more positives that you're taking away from games against two of the top five teams in the OHL when you're playing them to a one-goal game final or a game that you led by two late stages of the second period than when you see the final score, especially for that game against London. Um, you know, the Otters held a lead for two and a half periods, essentially, and then about 11 minutes left in the third period. London kind of flexed their muscles a little bit and showcased why they're one of the top three teams in the Canadian Hockey League. Um, but I think when you're talking about a team that's young with so many first-year guys, I believe it's 10, 11 rookies on this team, when you're talking about a team that's playing under a first-year head coach, these moral victories do mean something because now you see a game like last night where it's repeated history. The Otters have a two-goal lead going into the third period. They blow a two-goal lead in less than 30 seconds. How do you respond? Last time it happened, they weren't able to respond in the third period and they ended up losing in overtime. Flash forward to last night, they give up two goals in 26 seconds to start the third period, and they end up scoring three goals in that period and taking the win with you know three first-year guys getting their first goals, a couple of your stalwarts coming up with their own goals, and your goaltender offering up 38 saves. So moral victories do mean something because they're measuring sticks. And next time that the Otters play Guelph, will it be a crossbar that decides the game? Probably not. It'll probably be a closer game for reasons other than a game of inches. Next time they play London, will that 4-2 uh, will that four two lead that they had turn into a 4-2 final? You know, it remains to be seen. But you know that when they're playing in these tough games and they're learning and they're growing as young guys, that they're getting better. And, you know, I think we, we're still in the basement of the Ontario Hockey League at 4-9-1, and one, but that's not going to stick around for long. I've seen the way that this team has progressed, um, and I still think it's such a long season. We're only in game 15 of a 68-game season. And I think that's what's exciting is, you know, it's easy to get down on yourself early and, and think, okay, well, we've won three games of our first 14. You know, let's wrap it up and go home. But we're not even through November yet. There's so much hockey left to be played. And um, positivity has been such a big element of what Coach Adams has brought to the locker room since he took over uh, last Thursday. And the guys are feeding off of it. And you're seeing guys who didn't have the confidence that they had just weeks ago, guy like Teo Artichuk, you know, he went from a one-point guy through the first 13 games to a two-point night last night, his first goal, uh, a huge assist that set up a Brennan Hoffman point. And the guys were messing with him at breakfast today saying he was more excited about the assist than he was about his first OHL goal. But it's that kind of thing where you can, you know, go into a, a game or a series or even just a weekend on the road and, you know, joke around, play loose. But when it comes time to batten down the hatches and play hard, you can do that. And I think, you know, I'm excited about the future that this Otters team has, not, you know, long-term uh, or just, just long-term, but I think in the short term, I think tonight's game against Flint is going to be a big measuring stick. The Otters are winless against them in four meetings so far. This is the fifth meeting. This is an Otters team that has scored 14 goals in three games when their previous 12 games, they scored uh, 27. So I think you're seeing a lot of things moving in the right direction, which is so exciting. And what I was going to say is it's not always how you start the season. It's how you finish the season. And uh, the Gulf Storm got off to a slow start, too. And now they're 9-6-1. And it's a, it's a marathon. That's the way I yeah. put it. It's a marathon. And you just got to take one game at a time. And, and when you win, don't get too high. And when you lose, don't get too down. You need to. That's why the coaching staff needs to really make sure these young guys, 16- and 20-year-olds, uh, stay on an even keel. Yeah, and I think that's what's one of the good things about, and it's you know not uncommon by any means in the Ontario Hockey League or really anywhere in hockey, 
But I think having guys like Coach Adams, who played 10 years of professional hockey, and, and Coach Lays, who, who played hockey at a high level for, for such a long time, too, you know, these are guys who have been in these big situations before. And, you know, you said it yourself, just as easily as you gain momentum, it can be taken away from you. And we saw it last night, two goal lead going into the third, 26 seconds apart, two goals from the uh, Spitfires. They tie it up. They are they have all the momentum. How do you respond? How do you keep even keel right there? So um, I think it is about just finding that perfect balance of, you know, firing the jets when it's time to and cooling off when it's time to as well. But um, I'm excited to see what what it looks like against Flint tonight. They're obviously a very good team. They gave London their first loss of the season. Um, they have a lot of NHL prospects over on that team. For some reason, every time we play them, it seems like we fire 20 shots and have 40 blocked. So I'm excited to see if if the uh, the the wheels of time have turned in the favor of the Otters going into tonight. And you know, for me, I've I've been wanting to get that first win on home ice for me in the building that I graduated high school in, uh, and really just earn that hometown team uh, hometown win with my team. Seven o'clock face off tonight, right? That's right. And 643 game show on the Otters Radio Network. Okay. And that's a great thing about this social media technology now. You can, you, the old days, you can only listen to your local city OHL team. Now, if you're a huge OHL fan like I am, you can listen to every team in the OHL's uh, broadcast, which is great. Yeah. I consider myself a huge nerd when it comes to broadcasting. And, you know, I love to listen to. We, down in the uh, Southern Professional Hockey League, we had a, a broadcaster who would put together calls of the week uh, based on the weekend's games, and uh, it would showcase at least one goal call from every single game from every broadcaster, and I loved it. I ate that up. And same thing here. I love the job that the OHL does by, you know, immediately putting out the highlights. And even, you know, last night, um, watching the goals from, like, Brett Brissett that was called by the Your TV crew there in Windsor, you know, I love it because it's interesting to be able to gain that perspective of how did they call it? What did they sound like? What was their emotion? And, you know, what's my emotion when their team scores? What's their emotion when my team scores? And then, you know, flip it. What is my emotion when my team scores? And what's their emotion when their team scores? And I love it because I think there's so much diversity in the broadcasting core of the Ontario Hockey League where, you know, if I have an off night, like uh, when we got into town in Windsor, you know, being able to just tune into one of the CHL TV broadcasts and, you know, do kind of my due diligence that way and being able to hear how they kind of game manage, I suppose you'd say. And I think we we are super lucky in the fact that we have such terrific media partnerships in Erie. Um, we've obviously got our, our home station on Jet Radio 1400, which you can listen to terrestrially all in Northwest Pennsylvania. But them being a part of the iHeart Media family, if you have a phone or an Alexa or any kind of smart device, you can listen to an Otters game in Indonesia. You can listen to it in Florida. You can listen to it anywhere in Canada, anywhere that you have signal or Wi-Fi, which I think is terrific because, you know, I, I love radio. I am a huge fan of radio in my career. I always want to be a radio broadcaster. The problem is the limitations of radio. If I'm, you know, in Erie, I can perfectly listen to our games. But if I go down to Pittsburgh, I don't have a chance of being able to listen to our games. Um, so I think that's what's great about being able to have the digital audio streaming option, which I think is another fantastic advent of social media and the technological advances that we've had in the last you know decades. And I wouldn't have been able to start my broadcast career if it weren't for digital audio streaming services. So um, that's terrific. And then for us to have you know multi-state media partnerships too, 
uh, ESPN WFUN 970 AM in Ashtabula. That's our Northeast Ohio home for radio games. So if you're driving, you know, in Cleveland over to Erie, you can listen to a game on WFUN in Cleveland, cross the state line into Northwest Pennsylvania, tune your radio to 1400 and still be able to get the exact same broadcast, which is awesome. And then having our games being able to stream in Michigan is a huge thing for me um, on the Michigan Regional Sports Network. And I think it's great for us with Lake Erie touching both, you know, Northwest Pennsylvania and Michigan. So we've been really lucky with the great partnerships that we have in media and just being able to showcase our message and our brand to anywhere in the world. I just wish they had this technology 25 years ago because I was thinking about taking broadcasting back in the early 90s. I'm 49, by the way. I'm old. And they didn't have this technology. And and now that I have this technology, uh, it's been great. I, be, I build contacts up here. And I'm just trying to get better every podcast. And I try to make this a sports and entertainment podcast. And now I've been lucky enough to get uh, guys from Kitchener Rangers, Windsor, yourself uh, in the London Knights and I'm working on Larry Malott to come on and I like to try to make my podcast as interesting as possible with my guests. Well I think you know this is such a fascinating time that we live in you know there's obviously um, only a few benefits of you know the, the terrible tragedy of the pandemic but I think one of the benefits and I'm an optimist I'm a big silver lining guy I think it's technology like like this that we're using right now in StreamYard and then you know, Zoom has been a game changer for us, you know, having to work from home um, when the pandemic started, being able to talk daily with clients, with staff members, with, you know, players, coaches, staff. It was huge. And now it's just something that's part of our daily lives. I feel like I'm on a Zoom every single day, even if I'm in the same city and can still meet with somebody. Sometimes it's just more convenient. And, um, you know, even um, people that I know that wouldn't be technologically advanced are able to easily set up and connect to a Zoom meeting and be able to make sure they understand how to use their microphones and their cameras and make sure that everything's connected properly. Um, I know it was, it was tough. I think it was Easter of the pandemic. We had to celebrate Easter as a family over zoom, which was unique, but I think it was so terrific to see the, uh, the adaptation that, you know, my parents and, and so many other people's parents had to adapt into this technology. And uh, I think it's funny, the point that you bring up about, you know, where was this technology 20 years ago? Um, I'd always, I, I didn't always know I wanted to be a broadcaster. I knew probably about in eighth grade because I figured I like sports and I like talking and I'm sure that there's some way I can, you know, make a living off of that. Um, and I didn't know it at the time, but you know, I'd been talking with my dad just about sports and I was like, yeah, like that's something I think I'd want to go into. Um, flash forward a couple of years, I'm in my first year with the Fayetteville Marksman of the SBHL, uh, dad was digging back through his old records and old files and papers, and he photocopies me uh, an assignment that he wrote back in middle school or high school. Uh, and what he had said in it was that I want my future career to be as a sports broadcaster, and I want to make $100,000 a year. And I'm still trying to do the latter part, but it's really cool to see that, you know, directly or indirectly through my dad's aspirations and visions that I was, you know, he's able to kind of live vicariously that part of his life that he was so interested in through me. And I know he's always watching all the games. He's always listening to all the broadcasts for every team I've worked for and really diving in. And it's always so interesting to be able to talk about the games and, you know, talk about the broadcasts themselves with him. But, um, you know, I think about 
if if products like Zoom or digital audio streaming services were available back when he was in his developmental years uh, in middle school and high school, you know, would he have been, you know, the next big broadcaster and would I be trying to follow in his shoes? It's, it's tough to say, but I'm, you know, I feel really lucky to be a developmental young man during a time when technology is just continuing to benefit those in our field. Okay. Um, is it okay if I start asking you some questions? Absolutely. And you're still good for time. Just let me know. Okay. Yes, I sure will. I don't want you to miss that bus. Yeah. Hey, uh, one thing I wanted to let you know about Mike Stubbs. When you uh, do meet him and Jim Van Horn, two of the greatest guys, Mike Stubbs is a Detroit Lions fan. Oh. He, he has a Calvin Johnson Megatron uh, jersey hanging up in his house. So just wow. about that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. My respect for him just, just hit a new platform. Yeah. I'm an Eagles fan. So, uh, don't boo me. I just love the Eagles. Hey, you got your Super Bowl. I'm still chasing mine. You guys will get one. You guys will win a Super Bowl before the Leafs win a Stanley Cup. I will. I will. I will absolutely back that up. Definitely. Okay. Um, just gonna start with this question. I do this with all my guests. Just can you tell my audience uh, here in Guelph just a little bit about yourself and uh, just when when did you kind of decided you know you wanted to pursue a, a career in broadcasting and play by play. Yeah. Um, so for me, um, born and raised in Michigan, born uh, in Metro Detroit, raised in Flint and Metro Flint, um, terrific hockey communities themselves. Um, obviously, in Flint, we've had professional hockey and now major junior hockey for the last 50, 60 years. Um, so, you know, my first love in hockey was the uh, United Hockey League's Flint Generals. And I still think about my fondest hockey memories coming from low minor pro hockey. Um, and, you know, I didn't know it at the time how developmental or, or important it was to me, but um, being able to see those games and just imagine, you know, being a bigger part of the games than just a fan sitting in the stands was something that interests me so much. And um, I feel bad because I aged Joey Batano, voice of the Saginaw spirit a little bit, uh, when I first got the job in uh, in Erie with the Otters, because I remember the last year of the Flint Generals, uh, 2009, he was an 18-year-old broadcasting pro hockey games for the Flint Generals. Uh, Muskegon was in a play or Flint was in a playoff series with Muskegon. Game seven, uh, they were on a local radio station in Flint that at the time had capabilities to listen to the radio broadcast online. So, you know, I'm trying to remember what age I was. I was a 13, 12, 13, 14 year old listening to Joey Batano calling the game between the Flint Generals and Muskegon Lumberjacks game seven of a playoff series. Flash forward, you know, 10, 12 years. And now I'm in the same league as him, which I think is is a really cool thing because he was a guy that, you know, I, I grew up listening to, which is really cool. And he's a guy that I've always had terrific respect for. But um, I think it's developmental moments like that. And I was very blessed and lucky that I went to Davison High School, which has one of the best student broadcast television stations in the entire country. Um, was able to cut my teeth there, uh, learn more about what it meant to be a confident public speaker, um, being able to be an on-camera presence and being able to kind of just understand the needs and analysis you need of a reporter, play-by-play -play broadcaster, writer, and the whole nine. Um, went up to Central Michigan University, fire up chips, uh, was able to start a uh, college club hockey broadcasting network with a very good friend and colleague of mine, Tyler Marcotte. 
Um, grew it from two sophomores uh, who drained their bank accounts to buy radio broadcasting equipment and ended up becoming a 30-person full broadcast network, broadcasting three different teams at Central Michigan. Uh, had a weekly television show on you know public access television in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Um, was able to call a few national championship games in the American Collegiate Hockey Association. Um, so for me, that that's kind of what led me onto my career path of eventually minor pro hockey in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and now major junior hockey in Erie, Pennsylvania. But again, it just goes back to the fact of watching so many Red Wings games and and Pistons games and Tigers games and Lions game with my dad and just hearing him say, you know, man, I, I wish I could have done that. I think I would have been so good at being a sports broadcaster. And, you know, it, it was I don't want to say it was like gaslighting or anything by any means, but it was just one of those things that just continued to stick in my mind as I was listening to, you know, Ken Daniels and Mickey Redmond calling a Red Wings game or Ken Cal when I was, uh, you know, when I was driving or, or riding in the car with my parents. And um, eventually it was like, you know what, like they have the coolest job in the world. They're watching sports and talking about it. So um, when I, when I, you know, found out that that was something that could be a realistic possibility, I, I jumped full in, you know, didn't want to stick the toes in just, jumped into the deep end and I'm thankful that I did. And, you know, I, I feel stupidly blessed that I'm 25 calling in the Ontario hockey league right now. That's awesome. And I'm trying to be the old rookie. And I was going to say, uh, Ken Cowell wrote me, I wrote to him 25 years ago. And at the time they didn't have this technology. And, and I said that I, I, I tweeted Ken recently. I said, Hey Ken, I don't know if you remember me from 20 plus years ago, but now I'm uh, I'm actually trying to get into broadcasting through my podcast. And he just said, "Good for you," and just keep grinding away. And he's such a nice guy, and I, I really he did a really great job following in the footsteps of Bruce Martin, who did the Red Wing games on radio and TV for 31 years prior. And Ken Daniels, I had on my uh, podcast as well. One of the nice guys too. Yeah, I think I think us as Red Wings fans, you and I both have been really, really lucky in the the broadcast caliber that we've had. And not just in the teams when they're good in the Red Wings, but, you know, even when they're having their down years right now, or I guess you'd call it their revival years right now, um, being able to hear those voices. And not just the play-by-play guys, but the the color commentators like Mickey Redman and, uh, and Paul Woods on the radio side on WXYT. Um, you know, these are class act guys. And uh, I didn't get to, to actually meet Ken Cal uh, back at a Red Wings Journalism Day back in high school, but he spoke at length about, you know, the importance of continuing to work on your craft, the importance of internships, networking. It's all stuff that was super crucial for me because I was a young man in high school who wanted to become the next Ken Cal. I wanted to be the voice of the Red Wings one day. So for him to take time out of surely a busy schedule, and he doesn't have to talk to high school kids about his career, he just has to go out and do it. But he took the time out of his day, out of his week to be able to do that. And I think that speaks a lot to his class and character. And that's what makes him a consummate professional. And, you know, I still have the the dreams of one day when he does step aside of being able to call the games at the Little Caesars Arena. But um, until that time comes, that headset is his and he's he's feeling it better than anyone else could. Yes. I one thing I've learned too about listening skills. Uh, you already answered my second question, but the uh, one part of it is: uh, Did you have any mentors, a mentor, or mentors when you were uh, uh, starting out in broadcasting? Oh yes, and I still talk with them pretty much daily. Uh, my my broadcasting teacher back at Davison, Randall W. Scott the Third. I'm actually going to be seeing him today in Flint, which I'm I'm very excited about. Um, he's just as consummate of a professional, but. As caring of a person, not even just a teacher, but as a mentor and a, a person that you can have. And, 
you know, I still go to him when I'm, you know, looking for advice, still go to him when I'm looking for, you know, career moves. And I know I talked with him at length when I was talking about Erie, just because it was such a big move for me. Um, I loved my time in Fayetteville. I loved my time in minor pro hockey, but um, you know, when I had the opportunity to move up to the, to the major junior ranks and especially with, you know, a team like the Erie Otters, you know, is something that I wanted to make sure I did the right way. Want to make sure that I stepped into the role the right way. So um, I still, to this day, you know, seven years after I graduated high school, go to my old high school broadcasting teacher for advice and um, just being able to know what my next move is and, and his experiences and how they can work for me. So I'm very lucky that I've had Randy in my life. He's like a second dad for me, which has been you know, so huge for me, especially during high school and those formative years. So um, Randy was huge for me. Randy continues to be a huge part of my life. And then down in, in Fayetteville, I know it's, you know, postgraduate, postsecondary, but um, my old boss down there, Chuck Norris, not the Chuck Norris, but a Chuck Norris, um, you know, he was a huge asset for me, not in broadcasting specifically, but in just understanding how to become a sports professional and how to become someone who knows a lot about carrying yourself and being to your word um, and just continuing to grow and excel and work hard and see the results. So uh, Randy and Chuck were my two big ones, but I, you know, I'd be, you know, disheveled not to say that my parents were, were and are huge uh, inspirations and mentors. And they're listening to every game. They're watching every game. Even if they, we have a eight o'clock puck drop on a, on a Thursday night, they're still listening to the games and, my dad was huge for me too back in high school because I would call, you know, high school football games. He would record them on the TV. And then after the game, I would come home and we would watch it and he would break it down with me and say, why did you say this? Why didn't you say this? Why did you say this? What was your thought process with this? And it helped me think more critically about my broadcasting. And even still today, you know, I ask him, what do you think about this? Um, what were your thoughts on this? And he'll give me his feedback too. And, you know, I'm still a student of the broadcasting industry as a whole, but um, you know, I think people like Randy, Chuck, and my parents have, have been huge for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm obviously leaving out so many more, but, um, you know, I could talk all day about the people who have helped me on my journey. Okay. Um, I'm going to, I got a couple more questions. You still okay for time? Yeah, we're still good here. Okay. No problem. Uh, the next one I wanted to ask you is Sean, uh, what are your thoughts of the return of the OHL after a, a year and a half shutdown? And what was it like, uh, doing getting the job with the Erie Otters and being a, a rookie broadcaster with the Erie Otters and also doing uh, media relations work as well for the Otters. Well, first with the OHL side, you know, I'm thrilled the league is back. I know I was heartbroken for so many, not just with the Otters organization, but so many around the Ontario Hockey League that it wasn't able to be played last season in any form. And I know they tried so hard with, you know, the Ontario government, the United States side of it, trying to figure out, okay, if we don't do a contact league, can we play? If we do a bubble city, can we play? How can we do, if we play just, you know, a 20 game season, can we play? And, you know, when it ultimately did get canceled back in April, um, you know, it was culmination of, of a lot of expectation that it would happen eventually, but that doesn't make it any easier, especially for a historic league like the Ontario Hockey League to not play in any form is shocking to say the least, but the, the league did it the right way. They've, you know, they have handled everything, I think, in a professional sense from, you know, starting off, we're going to have limited capacity in Ontario rinks. We're going to keep media side uh, just virtual to start off and then taking the right precautions to get back into, 
How can we have 100% capacity in the Ontario side of the league? Um, how can we do face-to-face -face with social, distance, social distancing for the Ontario side and for the American side with media? And I'm very impressed and thankful that they have taken these precautionary steps to make sure that, you know, now we're in November and I will knock on wood here, but that we are continuing into a phase where more normality is only going to be the norm here. So um, I'm, I've, I've been very thankful. And that was one of the first questions that I had when I was being courted or courting with the Erie Otters was, okay, you know, the pandemic's not done by any means. It's not gone yet. We have a vaccine. I'm vaccinated myself, of course, but yep. what if the, what if the, you know, league doesn't play again this season? What if there's another shutdown? Um, you know, X, Y, and Z things, because, you know, it's not that I, you know, don't trust the, didn't trust, you know, the process of the Ontario Hockey League, the Erie Otters instability or anything like that. But, you know, there has to be a certain amount of self-responsibility that you take. And, um, you know, we had the benefit down in Fayetteville that our ownership group had kept us on throughout the entire pandemic. I learned quickly after I asked that question to our GM, Dave Brown, that the Otters was the Otters were no different. They retained their entire staff through the entire pandemic, which was a big thing for me about culture and character, of the organization. And it goes from the top down with our owner, Jim Waters. Um, so that was a big thing for me. But, um, you know, I asked the question, I said, what if the league shuts down? What if, um, you know, we're not able to play this season? What if, what you know, X, Y and Z things happen? And they said, um, you know, no matter what has to happen, if we're playing Flint and Saginaw 68 times this season, there's going to be a season this season, because if there's not a season, it's going to be the most mind blowing thing. And, you know, to their credit, uh, they had contingency plans A through Z and then into the Greek alphabet, too. So, you know, I felt confident when I asked those questions and got straight, transparent, uh, concrete answers with no hesitation and no second guessing you know, that this was a, the right move for me and just in talking with the staff themselves. So I'm stoked to see the Ontario Hockey League back. I'm thrilled to see it back in the capacity that it, that it is and, you know, continue to be thankful that, you know, the league is taking the right steps and making sure that, you know, players, coaches, staff are all vaccinated, making sure that when we cross the border, we get a negative PCR test to make sure that everything is safe because, if a flare up were to happen, you know, I, I don't want to think about what that could mean, not just for obviously the stability of being able to continue the season, but for these young men who are playing on the ice and, you know, the schools that they inhabit and, you know, the people that they're around and billet families and everything. So very thrilled with the way that the Ontario Hockey League has handled things. And, you know, they get my full seal of approval for that. Uh, with the Otters, you know, I'm, I'm so lucky. Um, my first conversation with the group that uh, was part of the interview process for me, uh, our GM, Dave Brown, our director of business operations, Jamie Szynski, and our director of sales, Chad Westerberg. I, I told my girlfriend, you know, halfway through the call, maybe 15 minutes into the call, I knew I wanted to go to Erie. I knew it so bad. I just knew from the culture that they spoke about, the character that they showcased, and the way that they carried themselves as a front office, but you could also tell that they, there's a time for work and there was a time for play. And I knew it. I knew it right when I talked to them and I was hungry. I sent uh, an updated demo reel. I sent a whole list of ideas of, you know, different programs and, and different um, series and things we could do for social media. As soon as I got off the call, my brain was going a million miles an hour. And I was like, I know how good this call went. I know how bad I want this job and I'm not letting anything take it away from me. So I, you know, pursued them pretty heavily. I followed up with them right after the call. I emailed them a week after the, uh, the, the initial call and said, hey, 
Um, hope things have been well. Sure, it's crazy as the OHL still trying to figure out what's happening for this season. Just want to check in. Um, you know, they, they were straight up and honest with me and said, you know, we don't want to make a move until we know what's happening with this season and until we know what's happening with next season, which, again, big integrity thing for me. They could have just said, yeah, we're still, you know, reviewing candidates or whatever, and you know, just gave, you know, boilerplate talk. Yeah. But they're transparent and straight with it. So yeah. um, it was one month after my interview that I got my offer from the Otters and I couldn't have signed it quick enough just because I knew that it was the move that I wanted to make. And for me, I'm big about integrity and transparency and honesty. And I told my old organization, the Fayetteville Marksman, from day zero, you know, we're in the middle of the, the pandemic right now. I'm thankful for the work that we've done. Um, now that we know we're coming back next season, I feel that I'm in a place where I can properly train somebody who would be my replacement. I've accomplished what I've wanted to accomplish so far. I've, I've, I didn't want to leave Fayetteville in a position where it was going to go to a place that I didn't want it to go. I wanted to leave Fayetteville in a place where it was only going to continue to grow exponentially. And I felt that I did that. And that's why I was straight up and transparent with them through the process. I said, you know, this is an uh, interview that I'm having. This is the organization I'm talking with. And even before the, or when the offer came, first thing I did, as soon as the offer came before my pen got out and signed the offer was I called, you know, our gen I called our owner and I called our vice president of, of operations. And I said, Hey, this is the situation. Um, you know, it's a really good offer. It's the move that I want to make, and I think I'm going to take it. But I want to talk with you guys first, and I'm glad that I did, and I was able to, um, you know, make sure that everything was set straight. And I didn't do a two weeks notice. I did, I think, a six week notice. I was still in Fayetteville. So um, since I got to Erie, it's been nothing but fantastic. Um, they've treated me and my girlfriend and our little dog so well. Everyone has been so friendly from, you know, the players, coaches, staff, ownership, hockey operations, the front office themselves. I truly feel like I'm part of an actual hockey family. And, you know, I, I can see myself being in Erie for a long time just because I feel at home with this organization. So um, it's been terrific and they have given full confidence in me. They have given me every opportunity to succeed and to fail if I decide that I want to try something and it may have failure attached to it. But they make sure that everything that I pursue or that I view that we should pursue, they are open and willing to go for it. And I think, you know, that has made me feel so confident as just a young sports professional in that, you know, I'm the new guy. I'm, I'm the lowest man on the totem pole and they're willing to listen to me. They're willing to take my ideas and actually see them through and not just, you know, put them into a scrap pile and throw them out. So uh, first class organization from top to bottom. And I'm just thankful to be part of it. And the Otters owner, Jim Waters, is Canadian, and he was uh, involved with Chum Radio in Toronto and Ottawa for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when I, I talked with our uh, our old broadcaster, Aaron Cooney, when I was in the process of being, um, you know, interviewed and, and considered for the Otters job. And again, it just shows to go the, the kind of class that you have because, you know, Aaron's living out west in San Diego now working in the American Hockey League. He's removed from Erie. And he's, he's still a part of it, to say the least. But, you know, his ties with the organization could have ended the day that, you know, he took his new job and, and moved out west. But he is still an active part of this community. He still loves this team, this organization. He took 90 minutes out of his day to talk to a guy who might be interviewing for his old job. I think that's integrity in class to the very max. And, you know, he talked about it, too. And he told me all about, you know, Jim himself. And then obviously, you know, Jim's legacy that he's kind of had in for me as a radio broadcaster, I kind of felt uh, selfishly confident in the fact that 
our owner is an old radio guy. So he understands the importance and the power of radio. Um, but even past that, even if it weren't for, you know, chum media or the radio side or the media broadcasting side, Jim Waters is just a first class person. The day that I, you know, got announced as uh, the new Otters broadcaster, um, you know, he, he called me up a number that I didn't recognize and congratulate me and talked with me at length and even told me about his daughter's French bulldogs. So uh, I think that speaks a lot about his, um, his, who he is as a person. That is awesome. And, and I'm going to be honest with you too, Sean, this is another reason I want to get into this profession, not for the money or the fame of aspect. It's just everyone in your industry from the pros to the OHL are the uh, minor basketball league here, the NBL, have been really great with me, and everybody's been supportive of what I'm trying to do, and, and it makes me just want to work harder to get in this industry, hopefully one day, uh, with an opportunity. Well, absolutely, and you know, I think you're, you're well on the right path. I think you're doing the right things, and I think more than anything, it's just about you know positive attitude and, and the ability to put in the work, so um, I think if you keep at it, you know, the sky's the limit, to say the least, and um, you know, I really do appreciate the time and you just, you know, taking the time to talk with me. I mean, you, you said it yourself, you've had guys like, um, you know, legendary NHL broadcasters, NBA broadcasters, guys who've been in this league for so long. And I'm just a first year OHL guy and you took time out of your day to be able to talk to me. So I, I do appreciate that. And, uh, I hope to live up to the legacy of those guys that you've been able to talk to. Definitely. Okay, I just got three quick questions left for you, and then I'll let you go because I don't want you to miss that bus. That's right. That's right. I'm getting the text, <laughs> just making sure I know what it is. So uh, okay. I'll, try and, I'll try and cut these short. <laughs> okay. Uh, this one I had to ask. Yep. What is a daily day like being the media uh, relations manager of an OHL team? And also, what's your game day preparation like uh, when you have to do a game, like especially for, for tonight on the road? Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, uh, for me last night after the game, it was uh, finishing up work at uh, 2 a.m. for game notes, uh, highlights, uh, other elements of the broadcast. Um, I think it's fun in the fact that when I'm preparing for a broadcast, I don't consider that work because that's the time that I get to go on and talk to an audience for two and a half hours, three hours. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of preparation and research and making sure you know what you're talking about making sure that you can quickly pull out a statistic or a number or a fact or, uh, you know, something out of the back of your brain without having to try and recall. And it's still something that I'm trying to work on. But again, it goes back to the same thing of you never know who's going to be listening. You never know who's going to be tuning in. Uh, so for me, you know, I keep my broadcast neutral in the sense of I want both teams to be well represented on the statistical side, the storyline side. I want to be able to give praise on both sides. It's the only part where I'm not neutral is when it comes to the goal calls because, you know, one of these teams is my team and the other team is the team that we're playing. So in every element, but mostly the game itself, you're going to see well-researched, neutral, you know, just making sure that everyone is well-represented because I don't want a fan from Saginaw to be tuning into a broadcast for the Erie Otters and only hearing Otters stuff. Um, it's a little different when we're on the road because most of our audience is going to be Otters fans, but um, I want to make sure that everyone's welcome. It's an inclusive atmosphere and everyone gets the benefit of being able to listen. Um, I don't want to turn away any listener or turn off any listener by being too biased for one side or the other, but you're going to see my cap tip to the otters a little bit more. Uh, media relations side, we have amazing media partners here in Erie. Television, radio, uh, press, um, 
And just with them, it's it's doing the little things right. It's you know sending them the game notes. It's making sure that they have an area set up in the press box and in the media room. And it's on the road sending them the highlights so that they can cover our team easier. Um, I think you know they have one of the most thankless jobs in the world in in covering sports for especially radio news or television. So anything that I can do to make their jobs easier is going to make my job easier. So. Um, Media relations side is really just storylines, uh, access, uh, scheduling, and making sure that they have the tools that they need to succeed so that they can succeed in covering our team. So um, it's a fun job. It's a stressful job at times, but I think it's rewarding to say the least. Okay. And just going to bring down to two questions. This one I had to ask you. I'm not going to get into why they let Chris Hartsburg uh, go, but can you just give us uh, just quick thoughts on uh, the coaching change with BJ Adams and what differences you've have noticed with the team since they made the move? Yeah, and, uh, and some eerie players to watch out for for us Storm fans. Yeah, um, I'm I'm thrilled for BJ to say the least. I think he has been a model of patience. Uh, he's been with the Otters themselves for six seasons. He's been coaching for ten seasons. And he's never had a head coaching opportunity. And it's been something that, you know, he's wanted for his entire career. And for him, you know, the circumstances were probably not the situation that he expected to step into it in, but, you know, he's made the most of it. And you can tell that his passion is unbrindled. You can tell that his, his, he's a player's guy. He's a positive energy guy. You know, you'll see him in the locker room right before a game. He'll go out in there and he'll point out a player who might be jamming or stretching or something. He'll call out their name and say, let's go tonight. And I just see it. The communication on the bench, the positive energy in practices, the way that he's, you know, constantly reassuring the guys. I think they're feeding off of this. And for, for young guys, especially, you know, you need confidence in your playing ability and who you are as a player. And I think a guy like BJ is bringing that energy and there's been, a totally marginal difference in the way that this team's playing in the first, you know, 11, 12 games to the last three games. Um, and I think that is completely correlated back to the coaching room with, with coach Adams and coach Lays um, and players to watch out for uh, Brett Brissett's hot right now. He's got himself four points in the last three games. Um, you know, Spencer Sova is still a name to watch on the NHL draft prospectus. Um, a guy like Colby Saganuk is a guy who I think continually improves, but I think there's so many guys on our team that, you know, with young guys, as they continue to develop, their ability just gets better. And I think that's, what's exciting is, you know, we've seen guys who are still young, like Connor Lockhart, uh, still just an 18 year old man, a Canucks prospect. And, you know, the, the growth that I've seen in him from game one of this season to where he is now it's two different players. So I think just as the season goes on and these guys get confident in their abilities, it's going to be a team that has a lot of dangerous guys to watch out for. Okay. And um, I'm going to make these two questions into one big question for you because I, I'm watching the time for you too. Um, besides Erie, what other OHL cities arena so far have you enjoyed calling a game from? Hmm. Well, that's tough. I really like Guelph. I really liked being right on top of the action. Um, Sarnia was great too. Um, it's kind of a, a smaller rink, at least feel wise, but you're right on top of the action. It has that Olympia kind of feel. Um, I haven't been able to explore, you know, some of the more notable places yet, like Budweiser Gardens, but um, those will come. And just this weekend, you know, on Sunday, going up to the Sioux, 
Um, I've heard you walk to the rink there from the hotel, which I think is very classic and old school. And I'm excited for that. But um, I haven't had a bad experience anywhere yet. Um, you know, we've had great press boxes, terrific media folks, um, and great angles to be able to watch the game from. So um, there's been no complaints so far for me, but anywhere where I can be right on top of the action, like a, like a Guelph or a Sarnia, I'm all about it. Book me a ticket there every day. And you're going to be back in Guelph in what, another week, Sunday afternoon, I believe. That's right. Yeah. We've got a home and home with the storm. So I'm excited to be back, talk with Larry again, and uh, hopefully be less than a crossbar away from a win this time. Definitely. And my last question I wanted to ask you, I'm going to let you go. Any advice for those, not just myself, looking to pursue a career in radio, TV, and the management side of sports? And where can my audience find you again on social media? Yep. Uh, I'll answer the last part quick. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at call me Bednard. You can find me on Instagram if you want to at Bednard, B-E-D-N-A-R-D. Um, I don't know if I have any other social media besides that. If you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm always down to talk there. Um, and any young broadcasters or any broadcasters at all who may be listening, uh, shoot me an email at any time, sean.bednard at ottershockey.com. Um, I'm always happy to talk and critique and, you know, do my small part as a young up and comer to try and pass whatever wisdom I may have. But my best advice that I can have is just be a Swiss army knife, you know, do everything, be, you know, implacable. You know, if, if it's being able to sell, sell while you broadcast. If it's being able to do other media side, like press releases, game notes, be able to do that. Um, you have to put yourself in a position where you are a necessary part of the team because as broadcasters, unfortunately, we're the low man on the totem pole. So if you make yourself indispensable and you make yourself a vital part of the team, you're going to have a position. Second thing that I can say is networking and connections are massive. And it doesn't have to be just about looking for a job, but even just talking and saying, oh, how was your call this weekend? Um, you know, where's the best place to stop when I'm in town? ABC, anything like that. Um, I think friendship and connections and networking go a long way. So I think that's important too. And number three is get reps. You know, if it's taking your phone and using the voice recorder on there and calling a game like that, you know, that's experience and it helps you find out how you call games and what you do and how you do it. So, um, you know, it's just about continuously working to be better at your craft and be a student of the game, really. Um, you know, broadcasting is not too different from playing a sport or learning how to do a skill. It's just the more you do it and the more you're willing to learn about how to do it better, the better you're going to get at it. So, um, you know, getting reps is what will make you go from someone who's not confident in every word that you say to continually, continuously trying to get to that next step where every time you go on the air, no matter if you've, you know, prepped for a week or, you know, you just showed and goad or showed and went, I suppose, um, you're ready to go. But um, that's what I can say for for broadcasters who are looking to break in and just continuously have a positive attitude, be optimistic, and work your tail off, and things will work out for you. I'm hoping one day to write a book from uh, going from security to behind the mic and behind the camera because I love doing the camera work for Rogers TV as well, and they do really good productions uh, for the Ontario Hockey League with Rogers TV, and, and I'm really very lucky to have this platform and to be able to talk to people such as yourself and to be a part of a Rogers uh, uh, broadcast, which we'll be doing tomorrow at 4 o'clock against the Sarnia Sting. Well, I love it. I love it. I'll be looking out for it for sure as we'll have our travel day tomorrow. 
Definitely. And the game's at four o'clock. So hopefully you'll be able to tune into to the game and watch some of it and maybe see some of my work. No doubt. <laughs> okay, Sean, I'm going to say thank you so much for coming on live with CDP. And I really appreciated you coming on. And I hope you have a good bus trip to Flint and you guys get an, another W and two points uh, uh, tonight. Thank you, Chris. We'll try and do that for you. Thank you so much again for having me on. It was a humongous honor. Well, thank you, and we'll keep in touch with you, and we'll hopefully we'll run into you the next time the otters are in Guelph. See you Sunday. Okay, you too, Sean. Take care. Safe travels. Yep, thank you. You're welcome. Anyways, uh, guys, I hope you enjoyed my podcast with Sean Bernard. Bernard, I think I Bednard. Sorry, Bednard. I apologize. I'm still working on that. I really appreciate Sean coming on today, and you can follow him at uh, Call Me. Uh, Bednard uh, on Twitter as well and um, speaking of the Erie Otters uh, he's on his way with the team to Flint Michigan tonight after a 7-4 road win at Windsor last night they are at Flint tonight at 7 o'clock faceoff then the Otters travel to Sault Ste. Marie this Sunday uh, for a 2pm faceoff as well and speaking of the Guelph Storm uh, they have two home games this weekend at the uh, Sleeman Center uh, tonight at 7.30 against the Owen Sound Attack. And tomorrow's game, which I'll be doing camera work for Rogers, uh, Saturday, November 20th at 4 against the Sarnia Stings. Both games are on Rogers TV and CJOY 1460 with Larry Malott or uh, tune in to Rogers TV, uh, which does a great, uh, great production for the OHL as well. And uh, let's see, guys, I'm just looking for my next uh, podcast here. I'm going to be my next podcast will be on Monday and just looking for the graphic right here. And I found it next live with CDP podcast, guys, is going to be this Monday, November 22nd at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. I guess will be Steve Bell of the longtime radio play-by-play voice of the Ontario Hockey League's Windsor Spitfires and longtime radio personality in Windsor. So I'm looking forward to speaking to Steve about his career in radio in Windsor and also uh, his long career with the Spitfires since 87 to 88. So, and let's see some other news, guys. Just give me a second, guys. I'm just going to clear that up. And just to let you know, guys, Live with CDP podcast, the audio version is downloaded onto Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, CastBox, and my LinkedIn page. And I want to say thank you to everyone watching this on my YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, please subscribe and hit like. Uh, I'm up to 67 subscribers, but I'd like to get it to 100 uh, before the new year. And also, thank you to everyone watching this on Facebook Live and on Twitter as well. And I'm hoping to have a website up eventually at some point as well. And also, guys, uh, you can also follow me on TikTok at Live with CDP. And also, guys, you can check out my Live with CDP merchandise. Uh, podcast shirts are 15, coffee mugs are 15, and my new podcast hats are 18. Shipping is extra if you're in Guelph or out of country. And let's see, I'm going to read some comments, guys. Uh, let's see. Jamie, go birds. Eagles are going to win Sunday, Jamie. Eagles are going to be five and six. Hey, Jamie, I hope to see you in Philly next year for a game at the link. I've never been to to Eagles home game in Philly, and I'd like to go to the link. And let's see, Jamie, good interview. Hey, Jamie, you're the master of podcasts. 
I learned a lot of my podcast stuff from you, Jamie, uh, from watching you and Al Parcero. And uh, you're the one that helped me get on to StreamYard. If it wasn't for you, uh, I don't think my podcast would be as good as they are. And uh, I really appreciate it. You're a good guy, Jamie. And hopefully when I see you in Al Parcero, Parcero in 2022, we can have a beer uh, at the Eagles game and and uh, chant Dallas sucks because I'd love to see the Cowboys and Eagles at the link. So that'd be something. But thank you, Jamie, uh, for watching my podcast. I really appreciate it. And thank you for all your help uh, the last year and a half with my podcast by getting me onto this platform in StreamYard. It's been a godsend. So I really appreciate it. Um, anyways, uh, let's see, guys. Yeah. So um, what else do you want to talk about? The Eagles uh, take on the Saints uh, this Sunday at one o'clock, and uh, the Eagles are four and six. So hopefully they can get another win and go five and six. The Eagles haven't won a home game this year, so we the Eagles need to take care of business in that. And I think it's a winnable game. I really do. With the Eagles' offensive line right now protecting Jalen Hurts, uh, the development of Devontae Smith, uh, the running game has been great the last four games. 761 yards rushing the last four games and coming off 214 against Denver with Jordan Howard and Boston Scott. I'm still not sure about Miles Sanders' status uh, for the Saints game Sunday, but um, the Eagles just have to keep what they're doing, pounding the ball in, run the ball efficiently, play good defense, and Jalen Hurts uh, doesn't have to be under so much pressure to throw the ball 40, 50 times a, day, uh, a game. If they can be like the, uh, the Patriots, where Mac Jones is doing a great job, but Jones doesn't have to be the, the lifesaver for that team because the Patriots offense line is protecting them and the Patriots have a really good running game. So uh, keep it simple. And uh, I, I really think Jalen Hurts is a future quarterback of this team. And Devontae Smith is the Eagles' best wide receiver since I would say Terrell Owens with, uh, with the uh, Birds back in 04 and 05 as well. And let's see, more comments right here. Let's see. Uh, no, I don't think there's any more comments. Oh, wait, one more in, uh, comment. Yep, Jamie. Agreed. As long as Gannon calls uh, pressure, we'll win this game. I agree with that. Uh, they they will need to do that. And uh, I, I'm positive, Jamie. I really believe the Eagles are going to get their first home win this year. And they're going to be 5-6. and six. And you know what? We're not out of, it, out, of, out of a playoff spot. All we have to do is just take care of our business. Don't worry about what the other teams are doing. Just focus on our business. Focus on winning one game at a time. And uh, like I said, I I've seen development from this team the last four weeks. So um, we'll just keep our fingers crossed. The Eagles can come up with another uh, good performance on offense, defense, and special teams. And speaking, Jamie, of special teams, Jake Elliott has been really solid this year. He's back to his 2017 form, in my opinion. And then the uh, punter, uh, Sipoff, uh, the Australian, he's been very good too. So I don't even miss Cameron Johnston. I thought it was a mistake letting him go, but the special teams for the Eagles have been well, uh, doing well. The offense, if they can keep it up with the O-line, and I do agree with you on that, Jamie. They need to dial up a little more pressure against the Saints on Sunday. And uh, I'm just looking forward to the game. One o'clock kickoff at the link, and uh, hopefully the birds will win another game. 
Um, one thing, Jamie, I don't know if you're still watching or not. I, I really, I'm a Pistons fan, and I know the Pistons are in a rebuild right now. Uh, the youngest team in the NBA right now with uh, Killian Hayes, Cade Cunningham, the number one pick. I do not want to trade Jeremy Grant for Ben Simmons. I do not want Ben Simmons on the Pistons. I don't want him around Cade Cunningham. So I know the Sixers have to get rid of Ben Simmons, but I definitely do not want him in the Motor City, and I will not be happy if the Pistons trade Sakon Bay and uh, Jeremy Grant. So we'll see. Uh, that was one of the rumors here in Toronto that the Sixers were looking to deal him to the Pistons for Saquon Bay, Jeremy Grant, and a draft pick uh, for Ben Simmons. So I really hope this is just all made up stuff because I really don't want Simmons on the Pistons because the Pistons are a young team and they need to let Cade Cunningham develop into the leader he's capable of being. And uh, to me, Ben Simmons might be talented, but I just do not want him on my team. It's like Antonio Brown might be a talented receiver, too much baggage. So anyways, Jamie, yeah, I'm, be I'm being honest with you. Uh, like I said, the Pistons, I know, they're in a rebuild right now, and I just want to see the rebuild go with young players and learn to win and develop uh, without any drama stuff because Ben Simmons is, has too much baggage. In my opinion, very talented player, but too much baggage. But I, I do think the Sixers will be better off without Ben Simmons as well. So anyways... I'm going to call this a podcast, Jamie. Hey, you'd be proud of me. I've done five podcasts, Jamie, in five days. And I'm just saying I'm very lucky. I've had great guests on this week. Uh, I want to say thank you again to Aaron Sanders for coming on. Mike Farwell from coming on. Uh, Kevin Allen, or yeah, Kevin Allen uh, for coming on. And also my uh, other guest today, uh, Sean uh, Bidna, and then as well. I'm still working on this, Jamie. Uh, I still got to work on some name pronunciations and stuff like that, but I still a work in progress. And uh, like I said, and, and tomorrow I've got my uh, hockey game with Rogers TV doing camera work. And I really love doing camera work as well. So uh, hopefully one day I will get an opportunity in radio. And Jamie, I have an open invite for you and our Al Parcero to come back on my podcast again. And maybe we'll talk a little more Eagles football and maybe some uh, Sixers basketball since you guys know them better than I do. And maybe some Phillies baseball and stuff like that as well. So um, like I said, I'm going to wrap this show up. Uh, one thing I want to just say, guys, like I said, it's been a great week of podcasts, and uh, I've got uh, three more podcasts lined up for next week. And uh, oh, Patrick Gore, I want to thank him for coming on too. So when you get to my age, 49, your memory starts going. So I want to say thank you to Pat Gregor from uh, Quebec, Canada, also, and uh, the National Lacrosse Leagues, Halifax Thunderbirds. Uh, color analyst for coming on live with CDP as well. And Jamie, maybe I'll send you one of my uh, live with CD podcast shirts or one of my mugs. Anyways, again, guys, my next show is this Monday, uh, November 22nd, 10 a.m. Steve Bell, the longtime uh, radio voice of the Windsor Spitfires will be on and uh, we'll talk some spits hockey with him and his uh, long career with radio. So, all right, guys, um, I'm going to actually play a little video clip of a preview of the Erie Otters, and then we're going to call it a show. Just one moment, guys. This is a, a little bit outdated. The man of the puck. Drops it off for Donato. Donato on for Hoffman. He scores. Here's a break the other way for Donato. 
It's a little empty. Our head coach has been Drop pass, dry steal. So BJ Adams is now eerie. Around the net. Wraparound attempted. Scores! Finds a way underneath Andrew McLean. Brendan Sellen. Spankler. Lockhart. Down low. Cohen Lockhart scores! Lockhart elevated it in a hurry. Left wing side. Here comes on a three on two. Given on in front. Brotney tipped away. By Campbell and Swankler trying to take this way, gets it from Brewer. Here's Swankler moving in, deflected to the goal, and Spam puts it in. I'm joined by Erie Otters head coach Chris Hartsburg. We've seen the Otters produce a lot of big names in recent years. What makes this year's crop of talent so exciting? Um, I, I, what I like about our group here is we're, we're, we're consistent all the way through our lineup. I think we have a lot of guys that fill the role of, of what we want to be as a team and how we want to play the game. And, you know, I think importantly is, is our older guys that really understand our identity and our culture and, and are prepared to make sure that's, that's bought into right away. Awesome. Well, maybe we can just walk through uh, the depth of this team. We'll start uh, offensively. What makes this uh, this group so strong? Uh, it's our depth. I mean, I, I really think we're going to end up with three really good forward lines that are going to be able to contribute and, you know, a younger fourth line that, you know, at times is, is going to be able to give us some energy and, and spark our team. But, you know, I think our, our depth up front is something that I'm, I'm really excited about. Do you want to walk us through some of those those big names to look out for? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we as of right now, we have four 20-year-old forwards, and obviously, we're going to carry three. So, you know, it's going to be an important role for, for whatever three we end up with. With D'Amato, Sellen, Hoffman, and Sproul are four players that can play in the league and be productive players in the league. Um, you know, and then, you know, a guy like Noah Snore had a tremendous summer, um, or more than a summer to, to get better and, and really step into his 19 year old year. And Elias Cohen, again, is another guy that we're expecting big things out of as a 19 year old. And then, you know, you step into our, our 18 year old group with led by Connor Lockhart, uh, Vancouver Canuck draft pick who, who we think is ready to take a big step and and same with Colby Saginaw a player that is not played in the league yet but you know certainly is going to bring the ability to to make plays and and create create offense um you know and and from there it's you know you, you guys that have had a little bit of role in, in the league and Brett Brissett who we really feel is is ready to take a big step um and then our younger guys, um, you know, whether it be, you know, Kerry Trance, who we're really excited about and we think he's got a tremendous future and think he's going to be able to to give us important minutes right away. Um, Caleb Smith, another younger player from Buffalo, who's going to be a little bit of a throwback player where he plays a hard gritty game, but is as a skill set to match that. And, you know, and then, you know, then you're looking at Cameron Lowe, uh, a big centerman, um, 17 year old, that's going to be able to fill at some point, fill an important check and roll for us and, and be a hard guy to play against us night in night out. And, you know, Teo Artichuk again is another 16 year old that's going to help us. And Lucas Ross, a 17 year old that can score and make plays and be creative off offensively and with our forward group we can skate and that's an important part of our team and how we play awesome well we'll switch gears and we'll kind of do the same 
Anyways, that clip was courtesy of the OHL. Uh, it's aged a little bit since September 21st, 2021, when it was done. Uh, the Erie Otters since have let uh, their head coach back then, Chris Hartsburg, uh, go, and they replaced him uh, with B.J. Adams. But um, as Sean uh, Bednar was, was saying, the Otters have a, a lot of talent on the team. And uh, right now, the, 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 the record's not so great, 491, but they did get... Uh, they're a new head coach, B.J. Adams, his first OHL win uh, last night at Windsor in a nice 7-4 to four win. And hopefully they can get it going again tonight in Flint and also in Sault Ste. Marie. And as Sean was saying, the OHL is a 68-game season. They've only played 15 games, and it's not how you start the season. It's how you finish it, especially in hockey. Uh, football's a little different with it being a shorter season, but in hockey and baseball and basketball, it's a marathon. So it's not always how you start; it's how you finish. And and um, and and I saw the Otters play last Friday in Guelph, and Guelph was supposed to blow them out because Guelph's the high, second highest scoring team in the NHL, and Guelph had to hang on to win that game four to three. And Erie almost tied it up by hitting a crossbar with less than a minute to go. And it was a very good game. And the Otters uh, came to play that night as well. And it's just like in any sport, any given day, anyone can be beat. So uh, let's see. I'm going to wrap this up. And uh, let's see if we've got any more comments. Um, Jamie, whenever you want, just let me know. Great show. Thank you, Jamie. Appreciate it. And I will definitely be in touch with you. Uh, hopefully, maybe I can get you guys on before Christmas. And uh, got a roll, but we'll talk soon. Jamie, you have a great night, buddy. And we'll talk to you soon. And as you always say to me, Jamie, go birds. Fly, eagles, fly. Uh, thanks again, Jamie, for watching and stuff like that. And uh, like I said, guys, uh, it's been a great week for my podcast. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, next week as well. And uh, like I said, if you guys have any questions or comments about my podcast, please send me a DM on Facebook or Twitter or uh, even on my YouTube channel as well. Again, guys, please, I'm looking for more subscribers. So if you guys want a good podcast or a sports entertainment type podcast, check me out. Chris Palme live with CDP podcast on my YouTube channel. I would like to get up to 100 subscribers by the new year. So we'll cross our fingers. So anyways, guys, again. We'll see you Monday, November 22nd, 10 a.m. with Steve Bell, the voice of the Windsor Spitfires, for another edition of Live with CDP. Thank you, everybody, for watching and also listening to Live with CDP podcast. I hope you all have a great weekend, and we'll see you Monday morning at 10 a.m. with Steve Bell.